<laughs> I kind of knew Pastor Gary was probably going to ask me to do this. So I've been thinking about it. But um, most of you know, <laughs> some of you don't, that a couple weeks ago I went to Colorado to um, Karis Bible College, Andrew Womack Ministries. Some of you may be familiar. Anyways, um, and it's something I've watched online in the past, and it's of all the conferences there are out there, and there's lots of them, that's the one I wanted to go to. So this spring, when my sister suggested it, I said, yeah, I want to go. <laughs> so we started planning right away, and uh, it does take a bit of planning to go to the U.S. these days, and... Uh, so we, there was a lot of opposition. All kinds of things came up, and it's not diff, It's kind of difficult nowadays to fly to the U.S. So we, we just had to go through all of that. You just have to push through it and trust that God's going to get you there, and he did, and he got us home again. So praise the Lord. <laughs> um, but uh, just to give you just first impressions of being there, I mean, I've never been to Colorado. So we were up in the mountains of Colorado. It's about 8,500 8, feet above sea level. So it was absolutely beautiful there. We had perfect weather. And um, we were just in a small area, a, a small town, really, um, very rural. So... We weren't in a big city. It was really beautiful. And the campus is absolutely gorgeous that they've got there. It's a, a big, um, kind of a lodge-like building, which is my favorite kind of architecture. So I really like that. And uh, so that's where we spent all of our time. We didn't really need to sightsee because the sights were all around us. We were just looking at mountains at Pikes Peak, which is sort of the famous mountain in Colorado. So that was right there all the time. And um, so it was a very full day. You could be going all day. And uh, my sister and I, we decided that we would go back to the lodge where we were staying for a nap in the afternoon <laughs> so we could get through the day. And uh, it worked. <laughs> so um, there were a number of speakers there. And uh, they, most of them, I don't know if you know all of them unless you watch Andrew Womack's ministries. Um, most of them are Bible teachers at the college. Some of them have gone off. They have their own ministries now. And there were a lot of awesome testimonies, healing testimonies. And if you go on his website, a lot of them are out there, but... They're sort of the Reader Digest version. When they were there giving their testimonies, they went into a lot more detail. So you really learned a lot about how healing is working in people's lives. Because sometimes you wonder, why isn't it working in me? <laughs> you know. And so a lot of the things I heard from the teachers and from the testimonies really helped me to understand some of the areas where we miss it. And uh, maybe I'll just uh, go into some of that a little bit. There was just so much I couldn't cover it all. And um, we hear a lot of the same things here in this church. You know, we, we get a lot of great teaching here. 
Amen. Right. <laughs> but, you know, last week, um, Pastor Nancy was in Mark 11, and I'm just going to go there again, that famous verse in Mark 11, or verses, there's several of them, about faith. So we all know that we need faith for everything in this life to receive from God. I'm using a Bible that I don't normally use, so I've got to find it here. But this is where Pastor Nancy was teaching last week, and that was just an awesome teaching. I just was so blessed by it. But uh, starting at verse 22, uh, Jesus answered them and said, Have faith in God, for truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So um, one of the, the thing I wanted to look at here is does not doubt in his heart. You know, we all have faith, but sometimes we got doubt in there as well. I think Pastor Gary was bringing that out on Sunday when he was talking about the man with the son who was having what I guess we would call epileptic-type seizures. And, you know, he, the man said to Jesus, you know, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, he had a mixture going on there, and often that's what we're dealing with. And so I was thinking, well, why do we have doubt in our hearts? What's causing the doubt? And there's probably a lot of things that can cause doubt. And, you know, Pastor Nancy brought out last week that, um, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. That's something that can be a hindrance in our hearts towards receiving anything from the Lord, healing or anything else. But there were a couple things when I listened to, um, especially one of the speakers and some of the testimonies, there were a couple things that really stood out to me that hinder us. And I'm just going to see what scripture I'm going to go to first here. I'm going to go to Isaiah 53. That's, that's a good one. To me, that's so foundational to what Jesus did for us on the cross. I'm just going to read five and... Yeah, just verse 5. And he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, Isaiah wrote this quite a while before Jesus was born. So I, Pastor Paul brought this out a couple weeks ago. He was talking about Isaiah 53. And at the time Isaiah wrote this, it was a future event. So it was like a promise out there in the future. But we know that Jesus was the fulfillment of this, and the New Testament tells us this specifically. Um, we'll just have a look at that. There's three places in the New Testament that I'm aware of that we're told that Jesus fulfilled this. And one of them is in Mark chapter 8, excuse me, Matthew chapter 8. It was Matthew who wrote this. 
And let's just start at verse 16. He says, When evening came, they brought to him many who were possessed with demons. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all who were sick to fulfill which was spoken by the prophet, Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So we see there that Matthew, when he's writing this, is looking back on the ministry of Jesus. The cross has already happened, so he knows that that promise in Isaiah referred to the healing that Jesus has provided for us. So now, and this is what Pastor Paula brought out, it's an event in the past. We've already received it. Healing is already ours. It's not out there in the future. We don't have to beg God for it. It's ours now. We, we can have it now. And a um, couple other places where we're told that this is about Jesus, this portion of scripture in Isaiah. Of course, the one we, that we're all familiar with, 1 Peter 2.24 by his stripes we were healed. So Peter, that's another witness. He's telling us, he and Matthew are telling us that Isaiah 53 is for our healing. And um, in Acts chapter 8, I believe Philip was sent by God to minister to an Ethiopian eunuch who was just happened to be reading Isaiah 53. <laughs> and he um, had a chat with the, the eunuch, and he said, what are you reading? And maybe I'll just read it here. So Philip ran to him and heard him read the book of Isaiah. This is verse 30 in Acts 8. The prophet said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless somebody guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will speak of his generation for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch answered and said to Philip, I ask you, of whom does the prophet speak, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip spoke, beginning with the same scripture, and preached Jesus to him. So this is Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8, that he was quoting from. So he preached Jesus from this. So I'm just, I mean, maybe we all know this, but just to emphasize that Isaiah 53 is for us, it's for today. Jesus has already accomplished it. And I know that um, it's very easy for us to believe that he's provided our forgiveness for sins. We just accept that. We know it's a done deal. Hopefully you know. And we have no problem with that, probably because we don't have to feel anything or see anything. You can just accept it by faith. But really, healing is part of the same package so that it's the same thing we receive it by faith and you know we don't have to do anything to earn it and this is I think where we get into trouble and um, I just wanted to talk a bit about this um, sometimes we come up with formulas or things we have to do to make healing happen 
you know, we hear, hear somebody's testimony and we heard they did this, that, and the other, and we think, well, maybe if I do that, I'll get healed. Maybe it'll work, I don't know, but probably not. <laughs> and um, it's really important to understand that you don't have to do that. And sometimes people are taught that, or it's just a lack of understanding of the scriptures. But even here, you know, we can fall into that trap too. Especially if you're looking for healing and it seems to be taking so long. And maybe you've been, had it for a very long time, you're just trying to do whatever you can. You know, maybe if I change my diet. You know, maybe if I confess 50 scriptures a day. Or read the Bible through in a year, whatever, you know. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with those things. If, if God's telling you to do those things, then that's what you should be doing. But sometimes we just kind of try to work it ourselves. We're trying to work it, you know, and make it happen. And um, one of the uh, teachers there, Barry Bennett, was teaching from his own experience. And he's been in the ministry for about 50 years. He's been teaching at Karis for 10 years, been a missionary, been healed in the past. So he has a good foundation of faith in him. And, and that's a good thing to have. Get in the word and build that foundation of faith. But about three years ago, he wasn't feeling good. And I mean, he knows all about healing, what to confess and all that sort of thing. But he ended up going to the hospital, and they said, you've got cancer, and you've got two days to live. Get your affairs in order. You know, two days. But he had a relationship with God, and he heard God say to him, you're not going to die. And that's very important that we have a relationship with God where we can hear from him. You know, that's not a formula. He's hearing from God. He doesn't know how it's going to happen, but God's saying, you're not going to die. So they did further tests, and they said, okay, you have cancer, but maybe there's something we can do. So we're going to try some things. No guarantees. but So he did feel directed by the Lord to go through with the treatment. So we went through it for a year, and he was very ill, very weak. He said, I couldn't do hardly anything. He said it was only because I had that foundation of the word in me and I had that word from God, I was, wasn't going to die. But this was not the um, violent take it by force type of situation. He was just too sick. But what he did do, because God told him he wasn't going to die, he started to envision his future. You know, he would just lie there and he probably had his wife order some things that he was going to use <laughs> when he was healed. Like Pastor Gary got Harley, you know? <laughs> so those are some ways to, to deal with a situation like that. When you, when you have a word that says you're not going to die, he's planning for the future. He's expecting to get well, but still there he is not feeling great. You know, but God did bring him through it. He got through it. Now he's healed and he's teaching. But one of the things that he really learned, and this is really spoke to me, he said a lot about it, but 
Um, I just want to go to a couple verses in Titus. And the first one is Titus 2.11. So it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Salvation includes healing, among other things. And it's the grace of God that brings it. It's not our works. It's not... Anything that we can do, it's not that we earn it, but it's the grace of God that brings salvation to all men. And in chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So behind... God's desire to heal us and to provide us with salvation is his grace. It is his mercy, his kindness, his love. And it's so important to know that's what's behind it. Because we, we put our faith in the word of God and in God himself, but we have to know that God is a good God. Right, Pastor Paul? <laughs> he's a good God. And everything he's done for us is based on his love and mercy and grace. So we don't have to make him love us or be worthy or do something. Now, one of the um, men there that gave his testimony was uh, a guy who, I'll just recap it, he had all his life kind of been an alcoholic and a drug addict. That's how he lived. Kind of got by by the seat of his pants and made some kind of a living. But along the line, he did get saved. And he ended up hearing Andrew Womack and going to the Bible college. But he got MS. And he was thinking, well, I probably got MS because of the life I've lived. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, I don't know. But he learned about healing and about faith at the Bible college, and he was trying to work it. He was trying to follow all the rules to get healed. And this went on for about eight years, and he did not get healed. And so finally one day he said, I just gave up. I told God, I give up. I'm just going to spend my time seeking you. I'm just, that's all I'm going to do. And he got healed because he stopped trying, he said, I didn't, I was trying to get healed without a relationship with God. I was trying to work a formula. And I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in that. And, and one of the speakers was saying that sometimes, especially if you've been sick for a long time, healing becomes your God. You're seeking healing instead of seeking the healer. And so this was something that this man. Um, people were seeking their healing rather than seeking the healer. Yeah. So that was, a, to me, that was a huge message that was coming out from this testimony. Now, there were, there were a couple other testimonies that really struck me. Um, they were a little different. One was uh, a woman called Colleen. And Colleen had grown up 
with uh, an abusive alcoholic father. And so she grew up never feeling loved or worthwhile, and she didn't trust men. And her first marriage um, ended in a divorce. And she did get saved, but she never felt really very worthy. You know, she was saved, but, you know, that happens to people. They just think, I don't really deserve anything from God. And she was very successful in her job. She traveled all over the world, had a great job. But one day she started to get back pain. And it kept getting worse. So finally they decided, well, there, I can't explain what was wrong with her back. She explained it, but I don't know <laughs> the terms. But they, the doctor said, we can do a simple operation that'll make you feel a lot better. But instead of making it her feel better, she was in excruciating pain after the operation. And they eventually had to do another one to sort of undo some of the damage of the first operation. But she, at this point, was living with constant pain. She couldn't work. She was an invalid. They put her on a lot of narcotics and said, this is your life from now on. This is how you're going to live. And so she knew there was such a thing as healing, but she didn't believe she deserved it from her past. And so her daughter, at this, one of her daughters was grown up at this point and was attending Karis and had sent her one of Andrew's. She felt led to send her one of Andrew's um, teaching, teachings on how to harness your emotions. That was the teaching. And she had... I think because of her hurt, she was a very angry woman. So she took, she looked at that and she threw it across the room. You know, that was <laughs> what she thought of that teaching. But um, I think eventually she did pick it up and start to listen to it and realized that she already had it, that God loved her. She didn't have to deserve it or earn it because it was a free gift. And she also heard the Holy Spirit speak to her, because she hadn't been talking to God for quite a while. And he said to her, we're not going to put up with this, are we? And he was saying, when he used we, it was like he was saying to her, I'm still with you, and together we're going to push back against this. And so that's she, she and her husband eventually went to Karis, and they, they learned... Uh, the word of God concerning faith and healing. And she's completely healed today. And she and her husband work at Karis. And uh, she's doing, I think, a similar job there to what she was doing before she got sick. Now, Russell over here, a couple weeks ago, we were at an event at the Sullivan's Pond. And I think it was like Awake Dartmouth or something like that. And there were a bunch of churches meeting there, and they had, it was right where the bandstand is, if any of you know where that is. And there, were, there was praise and worship music, there were testimonies, a little bit of preaching, not too much preaching, but testimonies. And one of the men, I don't know if you were there, there was a guy who got up, who gave his testimony, and um, I forget his name, but... You know, it was cool, as you could probably hear it all over the pond there. They had a loudspeaker. It was pretty cool. And he was telling his story. And it was sort of kind of reminded me of Colleen's story. Because one of the things Colleen said, 
before my body could get healed, my heart had to be healed. And so this gentleman, he got saved, I think, as an adult, but there was some issue or problem at the church he was going to, and he left, and he was full of bitterness and anger, and he said, that's it, I'm walking away from God. And he said he was away for 27 years. And during this time, um, he thought probably because he was working too hard and he was just chasing after money, and he also became ill, one of those mysterious illnesses. And he became so sick that um, he, he went into a depression and he was desperate. And one night he called out to God and said, God, help me. That's all he said. And he probably thought, I don't deserve anything because he said he was sinning big time. You know, if you're going to go away from God, he, he was going to just indulge himself. And he said God spoke to him very quietly in his heart when he called out. And he said, go back to church. So a couple of days later, so one of his neighbors invited him to church. It was Christmas Eve. And he went back and he just encountered the love of God and the mercy of God. And I guess the rest is history. He's still in the church and he's healed and whole and he got his life back. But these two people both had, I guess, as Colleen put it, a, a heart issue. And they needed that healing in their hearts first before they could receive their healing. But they were connected. And so this was, the, these two really stood out to me. And I w it made me think of the incident where, I think it's in the Gospel of John, that the four friends let their, the paralyzed man down through the roof. And Jesus said to him, first, your sins are forgiven. Then he said, rise up and walk. And I know part of that was for, he wanted the Pharisees to hear that, but on the other hand, he was, when he was saying to the man, your sins are forgiven, if he had any issues in his heart where he felt unworthy, or, you know, I'm a sinner and I, and I don't deserve this, Jesus took care of that when he said, your sins are forgiven. So he was able to receive healing. Now, there's a really great account in the Gospel of John. It was just something I saw recently, and I heard somebody talking about this, and maybe some of you already know this, but I didn't know it. So it's John chapter 5. <laughs> so it's starting at chap uh, verse 1. After this, there was the Feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, there's a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great crowd of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. After the stirring of the water, whoever stepped in first was healed of whatever disease he had. A certain man was there who had an illness for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd been in that condition now for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? 
The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Immediately the man was healed, took up his bed, and walked. That day was the Sabbath. So we'll just end there. So we know that Jesus only goes where his father tells him to go. And so he sent him to this pool, to this one man, and we've talked about this many times, but we know he said, do you want to be healed? And the man just didn't really, he wasn't thinking. I don't even think he was, do I want to be healed anymore? He'd been lying there so long. And he just said, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But when I'm coming, another steps down before me. So this man had, I would say, no hope. He wasn't even expecting to get into the water because he had no one to help him. But he was just laying there because he probably didn't know what else to do with himself. And that's what he'd been doing for so long. And maybe all of his buddies were there. And he was just stuck with no hope. So we're, we're, this isn't one of these people that had great faith that came to Jesus, okay? <laughs> so for you people who think you don't have great faith, there is hope for you. So Jesus, he kind of ignored what he said, and he, he said something he probably never heard anyone say or thought he would hear anyone say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Very simple command, but that must have just jarred this man. And to his credit, he responded. And it says, immediately the man was healed, took up his bed and walked. And I don't know if he was starting to sense it even before he got up, but he did get up. Those words from Jesus were just enough to spark a little bit of faith for him to get up and do something. And... uh, You know, I just see the mercy of God there. And um, I want to go to verse 2. We're just going to... Yeah. When I was in Jerusalem, I went to that particular pool. And, um, and of course, myself and Nathaniel, we were having a discussion. (laughs) And the discussion kind of went like, what kind of a God would trouble the waters? And first one hand gets healed, the rest of you too bad. Yeah. And so we found out when we got there, there was a, a pro, uh, there, there was a professor instructing his students, and he said, first of all, this was a, the place where they washed the sheep before they, they offered them in the temple, but it was also a pagan medicine bath, and uh, and Josephus has, had nothing to say about it. It wasn't even it wasn't even on record that people actually went there and did that. But the point was. The point was, if Abraham's seed, what did he say to the woman that was bowed over? You, 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 this woman who Satan has bound these 18 years, ought not she be loosed being the seed of Abraham? So he had no business being there anyway for 38 years. And none of them had any business to be in there because it was a pagan ritual that they were involved in. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that before. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not getting into whether it was 
anything was going on there as far as healing, but it, I was just going to make another point about um, the mercy of God. It said, now in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. So the Sheep Gate, when I, I looked this up, they said this is the gate where they bring the sheep for sacrifice. And Bethesda means house of mercy and loving kindness. And there are five porches there, five being the number of grace. So this, as I see it, is a picture of the Lamb of God revealing to us through his sacrifice his, the grace and mercy of God to bring salvation to us, which includes healing. So it was just interesting, the location and what it, and, and the, it is yeah. It's that kind of a God mm -hmm. that he'll trouble the water and, hey, if mm -hmm. you run real hard, you can get healed. The rest of you, too mm -hmm. bad. No. Like oh, that, no. I, I, that's I, the I, picture that, yeah. that, that story paints oh, okay. if, you don't, no. if you don't understand yeah. it. No. No, I, I, I wasn't really going there with that. It was just that the man didn't have any faith. <laughs> the man just didn't have any faith or hope, but the mercy and grace of God came to him to inspire that hope in him, for him to get up and walk. That was kind of where I'm going with that one. Yeah. And um, we see another example of this. Um, again, people who, some of the people Jesus healed did not really have a lot of faith or weren't expecting a whole lot. Um, now this other one, it's in the book of Acts. Okay, Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. A man lame from birth was being carried, whom people placed daily at the beautiful gate of the temple to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. Peter, gazing at him with John, said, look at us. So he paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have in the name of Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his ankles, his feet and ankles were strengthened. Jumping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and jumping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew it was he who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this man as well, he was just hanging out looking for alms, you know, never expecting healing, never even thinking about it, and yet Peter... Like Jesus with this man at the Pool of Bethesda just challenged him to do something totally radical, and he grabbed his hand, and he, he got up to his credit. So just those words were sparking some kind of faith for, him, for them to at least do that, because they could have said, well, no, I can't get up and walk. But they did get up and walk. So we again, the mercy of God to bring healing to people, even when 
they're kind of in a hopeless state with no faith. He can just come in in a moment into a person's life. You know, even you think about for some of us when we got saved, it just seemed to happen. You woke up that day, you weren't thinking about getting saved. You heard something. And, you, and how did God do it? I don't know, but he just drops that gift of faith into your heart so that you can receive salvation. So uh, praise be to God for doing that sort of thing. So, again, it's not necessarily about having great faith, but receiving what is already ours, and that is faith. I mean, that is faith. You have to have faith. And I would encourage everyone to get into the Word, because that's where our faith comes from, or where it grows, or it's challenged and we receive understanding of who God is and what he's done for us through his word. It's not even really what feelings. It's believing what God has said. So um, I just hope that encourages people in receiving healing. Don't let... Don't think that you've disqualified yourself because you're not good enough or you've got to do something or everything you've tried to do in the past isn't working. It really comes down to knowing God and staying in fellowship with him and hearing from him because he will guide you. Um, I know at Andrew Womack Ministries, they have a lot of healing testimonies and they call them healing journeys. And I like the term journeys because... Our walk with God is like a journey. It's in fellowship and communion with him. And he guides and directs us. So everybody's journey is a little different. What he has one person do, he might not have another person to do because he knows us personally and intimately. He knows what we need. And so we that's where we need to be in communion with him all the time, hearing from God and let him show you in his word and by his Holy Spirit what you need to do to walk out your healing and to receive it. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.